Transmission incoming, over. Copy that, transmission received. Okay. Yep. That's better. Okay. Yeah. I I think that'll be a better connection. No, thanks for, for doing that. You know, I, I got you on the line here, so I I would hate to, to, you know, you know, waste the opportunity with any kind of a dead audio, you know, I mean, I, uh, I want to make sure that we do this right. So I think we'll probably just try to start from the beginning. Appreciate you being patient. Um, so yeah, I came by you via kevin hensley and you mentioned that you know kevin and he recently asked you to be on the on the board of a group for veterans with uh cb right yes okay now cb for those who don't know is constrictive bronchiolitis and that's a condition that's somewhat rare in the medical field but from my understanding is it's mostly caused by the inhalation of chemical <coughs> toxins and airborne heavy metals. Is that, is that fair to say? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So the, the disease itself is common amongst many veterans and it's typically caused by exposure to burn pits, you know, and burn pits are prevalent all over the, uh, the theaters in Iraq and Afghanistan and probably a million other bases that we just don't really know about. Right. And uh, they even have open air burn pits in the United States for some military bases where they burn off uh, uh, munitions, uh, bombs and ex- uh, explosives and things like that. And a lot of people don't really know that. So, you know, in your experience, you were exposed to that. So really kind of just like, you, if you don't mind just kind of taking it from the top really and tell me, you know, about your military experience. You mentioned that you kind of joined around the 9-11 time frame. Yeah, I I joined in March of 2001, um, U.S. Army Military Police Corps, and went to basic training at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. Um, I finished off my basic training in AI, um, advanced individual training, in um, August of 2001. So I was actually getting to my first post when 9-11 happened, and I was actually at the in-processing station watching it happen live on TV. So um, I remember it well. And, uh, you know, we were told at first we might we might end up going to Afghanistan. And then they were like, no, we're not sending you guys anywhere. So it was kind of like a back and forth battle, um, I think, between the Post and Forcecom and all that fun stuff. And um, we ended up getting deployed to Iraq in 2003. And we were all over country in Iraq. We started off in Kuwait, though, and we started off at uh, Camp New Jersey, which is in the northern area of Kuwait. And, um, you know, we trekked up with 4th ID and uh, provided route security and uh, convoy security. And we got to the south part of Baghdad, I think it was April, in April sometime. And um, from there, we just kind of camped out on the side. We had this camp called Camp Side of the Road, and it was basically like one of those rest stops where people could, you know, I guess go over and take a break, sit and eat at a picnic table. And we were camped out there for 
few weeks to a month. And uh, we would escort fourth ID tanks of all things with Humvees. We'd escort them and um, we'd escort them up to Taji base in Baghdad. And, uh, you know, we found, I found out later on, much later on that they were actually burning old chemical weapons there or they had built a burn pit on top of, I guess, where there were chemical weapons. And, uh, you know, that kind of had me concerned when I found that out. But um, after Camp Side of the Road, we traveled up to Balad for a bit, and that's where our company was was headquartered at. Um, now, the platoons were headquartered in different areas. We had a platoon headquartered with the company HQ in uh, Balad. We had a platoon up in Tikrit. Us and another platoon were at Camp Ashraf, and there was a platoon in Bakuba. So we were kind of scattered. Um, it was, I mean, we found out, I guess, um, I found out from my team leader not too long ago, actually, that when we were camped out next to the road by Camp Ashraf, we were actually camped on top of a garbage dump. And a bunch of people would were getting sick, and I, I didn't know anything about it. They didn't really talk to us about what was going on. And uh, my team leader's like, yeah, we actually, that's why we ended up moving on Camp Ashraf. I was like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> so, um, but we were actually downwind almost directly from Balad. Like we were almost due east of Balad. So we were at Camp Ashraf for the remainder of our time there. And we had burn pits, you know, there on, on the base with us. And it was pretty close to where we lived. I mean, it was it was right next to you know, the the area where the trailers were at that we were staying in. And our motor pool was literally almost right next to it. So, you know, there was constant smoke. Um, there was one episode I remember really vividly, and there was like a chlorine gas that completely encamped us. It, it just surrounded us while we were there and you breathed it in and it just burned your lungs. Um, I mean, before, before I went to Iraq, I, I had some really high PT scores. And once I came home, um, you know, my breathing sucked. Um, my PT scores went down. Um, it just, it was really horrible for me because I was like, why, you know, why is it I can't run a quarter of a mile without coughing and, and having a hard time breathing and uh it was never explained except that i had asthma and that's what i'm diagnosed currently with so you know we're 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 looking at that but um the most important thing that happened with me is i developed thyroid cancer and i was diagnosed in 2018 with papillary thyroid cancer the tumor was so big you could actually see it on my neck and um, come to find out, my team leader, who I was in Iraq with the whole time, developed the same thyroid cancer in the same spot, roughly about the same size, and we were diagnosed the same year. And uh, 
it just comes off strange that it wouldn't be related in some way. Yeah. And 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 CB too. I mean, <coughs> I, I've had a cough for twenty years, and I've had some people say, "Oh, it's asthmatic." I've had other people say, "Oh, it's not asthmatic." Um, all I can tell you is inhalers don't work. They don't. They don't really help. Um, my pulmonologist, he wants to start me on a different kind of treatment, but he's worried it could give me frail bones and and immunocompromise my system so you know it's with me it's we're in a unique my wife and i are in a unique situation because my wife is actively fighting um brain cancer um and she's actively on chemo right now and she wasn't in the service or anything um we don't actually know a, a whole lot about how she got her cancer but it's a rare tumor called oligodendroglioma. So it's it's a slow go a very slow growing cancer. But um yeah, it's just it, it's it's very frustrating to me a lot because I've reached out to just about every single representative in my state that I could. And you know, everyone from Debbie Dingle's office to Gary P Senator Gary Peters and um Haley Stevens and you know Haley Stevens uh she's got someone in her office named Sophia she's been helpful but then there's been a lot of fighting back and forth with a guy in her office named Michael Tash and he just he he's not he doesn't care about us and uh he actually hung up on me one time and when I was trying to just kind of vent about why I was upset and um he just hung up on me and um that was really really hurtful um what state do you live in I'm I'm in Michigan okay and these are your uh your house and your senate leaders on the federal level yes okay um are they democrats or republicans uh, they're mixed, actually. Um, General, uh, I don't know if you know his name, General Bergman, he's from Michigan. I've reached out in quite a few e emails to him because he sits on the House Veterans Affairs Committee and nothing. I've reached out to the House of House Veterans Affairs Committee itself several times, nothing. Um, like I said, I got this one young lady from Haley Stevens' office named Sophia. She's you know, she said she's been forwarding my emails to the congresswoman, but the congresswoman, it, it seems maybe she's not interested in helping us because she hasn't answered. Um, there's a gentleman who just, funny thing, um, there's a gentleman who, from uh, Gary Peters' office, who recently emailed me on Friday or Thursday, and he wants to talk to me Monday all of a sudden. Um I, I told him I had an interview coming up. I didn't tell him when, and I didn't tell him with who. But um, I said, you know, I've been reaching out for a long time, and, and I don't want to hear any complaints. Well, you haven't talked to us, or you didn't try. I mean, I got all the emails saved. So um, yeah. this is this is something I've been asking about since 2017, so it's not a new issue by any means. So, um, you know, it's just – 
it's really hard. Like, like not all guys go through this, but you know, I've, I actually had someone that I respected and worked with at one time. Um, and he tried to accuse me of stolen valor of all things. And this is around the same time that I was trying to get, um, benefits with the VA too. And, uh, you know, the VA here in Michigan, they, they fought me tooth and nail. I'm at a hundred percent currently, um, which I'm thankful for, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm extremely thankful because our family situation with my wife having cancer and being at, you know, not being at work right now. <coughs> um, you know, if, if I had to stop working, then I'd at least have something to fall on. But, <clears throat> you know, all this stuff that I have going on, it's documented in our military, in my military records. And it's like, it, it just gets ignored by the doctors at the VA. It's like, yeah, it's, it's like so, some of the doctors I do think really care, but some of them, I think they're there to get a bonus and it bothers me that that would be the case. I mean, I would think if you're going to the VA, you want to go to help guys, um, but we'll see. I mean, I would, I would really like, uh, to send this video to them so they they can see what we have to deal with because it's not just me there's probably hundreds of thousands of veterans out there in similar circumstances and it's like everybody keeps saying we don't want this to be the next agent orange it's too late it's already there it's been right. 20 years i mean when are you guys gonna take responsibility to take care of us you know you asked us to sign on the dotted line and go fight. We did. We did it willingly. The only thing we ask is when we get home, you take care of us. Yep. I, I don't think that that's complicated. And they have the money to take care of this now and try to mitigate damages before it gets way, way too bad. And they can start investing right now. Then do it. You know, it's, it's, it's it's really frustrating. I I mean, I've reached out to the VFW. I've reached out to a couple of the other service organizations and they some of those organizations like the VFW, I can't believe I I got something in the mail with my membership. I'm very very lucky. I have a post that pays for my membership and and I I keep telling them and I need to really do it. I need to go get the money out and pay them for that. And um they uh, sent me their their uh, legislative agenda, and nowhere in their legislative agenda for the VFW do they have anything on toxic exposure. And I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I got the book in my car right now. I read through it on one of my lunch hours, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. This is one of the biggest things affecting veterans in our era. And you guys don't see this as important. Yeah. And, and, the, and, you know, I've talked to my, my post commander, uh, Tom Oltzelsvig, um, in the Highland White Lake, Michigan post. And I told him, I said, this is why you can't recruit younger veterans because no one is speaking up for the younger generation. 
you know, and, and I told him, I said, look, man, I'm, I'm behind you guys from Vietnam, hundred percent. You guys dealt with more disrespect than anyone in any war has ever probably dealt with. And I told him, I said, you know, we got your back. We will support you guys, but you guys got to support the younger generation too. Cause some of us are getting sick way earlier than you guys ever did. Right. You know, and I'm 30, I'm 38. I'll be 39 in January. You know, I can't, I can't go out and play with my kids. It's just, it, it's, it takes too much out of me. Um, if I do go out and play with them, it's for short periods of time. And then I either got to sit down or I got to go inside and, you know, I, I blow leaves in the front yard and we don't have a big front yard and I'm already tired, you know, and I explained to him, I said, you know, this, this is not normal. Um, we really need to do something about this. Yeah. You're absolutely right. You know, and from the conversations I've had, it really all comes down to money. It's not necessarily that the VA doesn't want to recognize burn pit exposure because I think that they know. I think that it. they also know that it costs too much money. So yeah. on Agent Orange, they're still doing studies on Agent Orange. What is left to know, right? We know Agent Orange is bad. We know U.S. troops were exposed to it. We know that dioxin is a terrible chemical, and it was exposed to our soldiers by the thousands, and then they came down with cancer. Uh, they came down with all kinds of issues. Many of them died. The few that are still alive are finally getting some recognition through the Blue Water Navy Act and some other things, but it's not enough. Um, and the way it was explained to me by some people who make this kind of their life's work is that uh, there's always a dollar figure assigned to this. So if the VA and the government recognize burn pit exposure is a link to um, conditions such as what you have with constrictive bronchiolitis, that the government accountability office has to assign a dollar figure to that, right? And they go through and they do their formulas and when they did that with Agent Orange, they found that Agent Orange alone was enough to bankrupt the VA. And paying out the benefits and the health <coughs> just for that illness would be more than the annual budget of the VA every single year, which is a huge budget. It's one of the biggest. So, and I hate to say it, but the same is true of burn pits. They plan on waiting uh, 30, 40, 50 years or more before they finally recognize it. Uh, and the reason why is because they can't afford to do anything about it. So they say, but you know, as well as I do that the government prints money at will and they'll print money for all kinds of things, right? Uh, economic stimulus, COVID relief, bailouts for banks and Boeing and Lockheed Martin and Raytheon and, and everybody else. But all of a sudden, when it comes to taking care of veterans, oh, now we have to be fiscally responsible, right? And it's a damn dirty shame. And it's got to stop. Um, but what do we do, right? And the only thing we can ever do, the only thing that's ever worked is pressure. And we have to put pressure on politicians 
and the VA itself in order to get them to recognize service-connected disabilities between things like Agent Orange and burn pits uh, and high rates of cancer and uh, lung disease. And your testimony helps with that, right? I've probably done four or five of these types of interviews. And when I get enough, I hope to kind of make a, a very small documentary. And I don't know, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm nobody, right? We need people who can spread messages and get attention. And I think we're finally getting to the point a little bit where we're getting some help because, you know, we're getting um, some high visibility people coming onto the subject. So in 9-11, right, there was 9-11, the Victims Fund. And then we had uh, some high visibility Senate hearings with uh, the comedian. What's his name? Oh, man, I forgot. John Stewart. John Stewart. Yes, thank you. And apparently he's hopping on with the burn pits too, which will be phenomenal. So I think he's going to be the best advocate for us. I really do. Yeah, I I agree. And you are somebody. Never say you're nobody. You are somebody. I mean, um, up until I met Kevin, I, I never heard of you, but I was never really big into podcasting. I've never really... Um, I've never been that kind of technical, technologically, uh, I guess you could say I'm technologically impaired, uh, because I'm, I've just, I, I was always, I, I worked in the law enforcement security area, so I never really got on the computer unless it was to type up reports or do what I needed to do and then move on. Um, so the, you know, the zoom, all this stuff, this is all new to me, but um, I, I agree, you know, it all comes down to money and I think the VA does want to help us. I, I do not think that they just want to leave us at the wayside. Um, it's really up to Congress to budget the money that they need to help us. And what, what infuriates me more is when, when I hear these studies that go on in the VA and it's like, you get a million dollar study for the National Institute of Health, and they're all saying, well, we think that lung disease actually could be caused by blast injury. Well, what does it matter what it's caused by? If it's still there and it was there caused by combat, that means it's service-related by right. definition. So why do we need to study a blast injury? I mean, blast injuries are quite a bit different and toxic inhalation and you know i i'm fighting for my cancer claim right now and they now my team leader he he's his cancer claim after i wrote him a statement and he wrote me a statement his cancer claim was approved and he's getting like 30 percent for his thyroid cancer um i have not gotten anything in fact the the va here in detroit is I guess arguing that it's not related at all to my service, which I don't understand how one person, two people who serve together, same cancer, same, same area, diagnosed the same year, how they wouldn't be related. Um, I find that odd. Um, But, um, you know, thyroid issues. I don't know if you have any issues with your thyroid, anyone who has them, understands kind of there it's it's very debilitating it 
it causes a lot of exhaustion because um, it, it regulates your metabolism. So you have a lot of weight uh, issues like either extreme weight gain or extreme weight loss. There's like nothing in the middle. And, um, you know, I actually had to move um, hospitals from Detroit to Ann Arbor because I actually had a doctor at the Detroit hospital um, keep me off my thyroid medicine for too long and I ended up in the emergency room. And uh, I actually, consulted a lawyer on that to see to make sure that it wasn't something that could have endangered my life and they said that it, it very well could have put me in a coma by doing that and um but they said you know from what we can tell there's no you don't have any long-term harm which is fine and um but they said that they really they really uh dodged a bullet on that because i could have that could have killed me, you know, and and that's not really comforting to hear from anyone. Um, so I moved to the Ann Arbor campus, and I mean I still have issues there too, but it's it's a little better. Um, it's really hard. I don't know if Kevin told you it's it's hard for us to even get appointments, and and they seem to know me by name, which is odd because I don't know them. <laughs> Yeah. So I don't know how they know my name unless there's some kind of C file that's kept or something, which which is kind of disgraceful in of itself. But um, I just want to go get treated like any other veteran. You know, I I fought for my country like like all you guys. Um, Kevin fought for his country. I don't think we should we should have to deal with criticism from the same place we're trying to get treatment. Yeah, you know, to fight for your country, you shouldn't have to come home and fight your own government. Yeah, that's, yeah, I never thought that that would be an issue. I never thought I'd have an issue getting benefits. And and uh, my wife's grandpa, he's a, he's a former Marine. I'm sorry, he's a Marine. <laughs> never a former Marine. He's a Marine. And uh, her dad's a Marine as well. But her grandfather, he's like, yeah, what they're going to do is, and I guess it's just something maybe they do here in Michigan. I don't know, but he said that they they're gonna deny you, and then you're they're gonna they're gonna make you fight fight for it because they know if they deny ten people, they're they're only gonna have three or five four out of ten that actually fight to get their benefits. Yep. I said, well, that's that's disgraceful. You know that that really bothers me to my core. And Michigan's actually got one of the lowest benefit rates in the country from what I heard. Like they don't grant benefits here like they would in Texas or California or other states, you know, Florida. So I don't know what that's all about, but it should be one equal playing field for all veterans. We should all have the same um, opportunity. Absolutely. So um, but yeah, so I mean, like I said, I'm I'm really disappointed. Um, none of our representatives have signed up on either bill that's being uh, pursued in the House or Senate. <coughs> and um, I just I don't understand it because, like I said, it should not be a political issue. This should be an American issue. This should be something everybody stands behind. Because 
we're we're left to advocate for ourselves. I mean, we don't have we don't have anyone from our government helping us on this. And I guess I never really understood that because when I was in, it was always like, you know, hua hua hua, and then all of a sudden you get out and it's like, oh, you're on your own. Sorry. Thanks. Yeah. So it's a shame, you know, I mean, I live in Kansas and on the Senate Veterans Committee, the chairman is Jerry Moran and he's a Republican (coughs) of Kansas and uh, he's one of two that represents my state. So I'm going to try to do what I can to, uh, to reach out with him and I'm going to start sending him these videos, you know, and I know that he, he's generally a patriotic guy and, you know, he generally likes to do the right thing, but politics are a messy thing and you know this is unfortunately a political issue so i uh i my goal from this is not to just have these conversations i want to affect change and really it's all about numbers right so one conversation won't do it there needs to be a hundred conversations you know and i am happy to do um a thousand right if there are a thousand people who reach out to me who have burn pit related diseases and illnesses, I will talk to every single one of them. And that is uh, my goal is to just to do that, to facilitate that, to put that out online so people can see it. And therefore, you know, hopefully it gains traction and we get the attention of our representatives because that political pressure is really going to be the only thing that that makes a difference is people got to know. And if they don't know, then they, they can't care. But if they watch this video, they can't not care any longer. Right. There's just not, it's just not possible, you know? And I, I just, yeah. it's just not a big enough issue and we've got to get the, the momentum going. So my goal is to make a documentary, you know, and when I get enough people to talk to me then I can put all these videos together and package them. So part of the way is to make it kind of compelling. So I'm going to ask you to do a, a little bit of a, a monologue for me here as we kind of wrap this up. we got a couple minutes left to, before we run out of time. So I would like you to just in your own words say, my name is, is, is Kevin Berger. I served in the army in, uh, in Baghdad from, you know, 2003 to, to whatever I was exposed to burn pits. I have, um, uh, CB, you know, if you would just kind of recite that. So when I can, I can put all those little pieces together at the beginning <coughs> to, to make it kind of a compelling narrative. Yeah. I just want to clarify real quick. I haven't actually been diagnosed with CB, so I can't really say that yet. Got it. Um, so all I'm going to say is um, I'm seeing some pulmonologists right now and one of them is well-renowned. He's out of state. So I'm, I'm trying to get on his uh, caseload so I can get checked out. And, is that Dr. I Miller? Mean, uh, yes. Yep. He seems to be the world's best expert in this. You know, if you can get in to see him, you know, good on you. Cause everybody I talk to says that's the guy. Yeah, because I don't I don't get health insurance with the VA. I have I still have private insurance. I have a hundred percent schedule rating, which is awesome. So that allows me to still get care, you know, get my care outside. Um. So I mean, we'll see. I mean, it's interesting. My my CT scan came back with mild air trapping, bronchiectasis, and uh, it says 
suggestive of small airways disease, but the pulmonologist who ordered that, he said that the differential diagnosis for that is so broad, he said, and asthma is one of those diagnoses. So um, I'd have to let Dr. Miller see those records and then you know, decide whether or not I, could, I need to get a biopsy because I think that's probably what it's going to come down to. Yep. Okay. To get a final diagnosis. So. No, for um, sure. So yeah, if you wouldn't mind, you know, just kind of running through that. I, I'm Kevin Berger. I served in Iraq uh, for, at this time. <coughs> I was exposed to burn pits and I have lung disease. Uh, yes, my name is Kevin Berger. I'm a United States Army veteran, post 9-11 veteran, pre and post 9-11 veteran. Um, I served in Iraq from 03 to 04 as an MP and I came home and was diagnosed with thyroid cancer and small airways lung disease is what it says. So currently asthma and we'll see where it goes from there. But yeah. Um, I also have a liver hemangioma. Okay. No, thank you for that. You know, that'll help me kind of for, for documentary purposes down the line, kind of mash some of those up as, as I talk to veterans, you know, and kind of make a good powerful opening, you know, and uh, I don't know anything about making a documentary. So I'm kind of figuring this out as, as I go along. And, you know, I hope that I can, uh, I can make it compelling and in a way that makes sense. Yeah. And, and like I said, I, I really look forward to continuing to work with you and, and I definitely want to help Kevin out as much as I can on uh, his organization. Like I said, um, I, I've not gotten actually diagnosed with CB. Um, right now it's just diagnosed as asthma. So we'll see how yeah. that goes. All I know is I've had this cough. It, it's a chronic cough. You've heard it during yep. the interview here and I've had it since I was in Iraq, it, that's when it started. So, you know, and, and like you, I, you probably got one like I did, uh, depleted uranium questionnaire. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I don't know if I was exposed to it. My knowledge says I wasn't, but um, they don't ask if I was exposed to burning enemy vehicles. They just asked if I was exposed to burning friendly vehicles. Yep. So. Yep, absolutely. You know, I, uh, I know a thing or two about that. And I think that it can be its own conversation in a, in a way. So I want to thank you for sharing your story with me and coming on the line with me. I know it's, uh, it's probably not the easiest thing to talk about, but it is important. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to do my best to, to get this out there, you know, on YouTube and share this to politicians and things to try to affect some real change. So if you know anybody else who would be interested in speaking with me, please send them my way and I'd be happy to, to interview them as well and document their story. Absolutely. And we're still, we're, we're still kind of getting started here in Michigan. Um, but the first thing we have to do is get the information out there. And once we get the information out there, I'm sure people are going to start coming to us. And, you know, if I can send anyone I can to you, um, I'll add you on Facebook and, and I'll send you uh, as many people as I can. I mean, something's got to happen. We can't keep living like this. I mean, I'm yep. 38. I have two kids, both under the age of six, and I kind of want to be around when they get older. And, uh, you know, it, it, we're in a unique situation because my wife has brain cancer. So it's like, it's a double whammy, you know, how many people can say both parents have cancer and, and major health issues, you know? Right. So. 
Well, I wish you guys the best. You know, I hope that when you go to see Dr. Miller, he has something uh, helpful and enlightening to to share with you. And there's a good treatment plan. You know, I mean, I hope your wife (laughs) needs, you know, and you guys are in my thoughts and my prayers. So I wish you guys the best. All right. Thank you very much, Seth. I uh, really appreciate it. All right. Thank you for your time. And we'll be in touch. Let me know how it goes. All right. Yep. Thank you for your time. And thank you for your uh, sacrifice and service as well. I appreciate that. Have a good weekend. Talk to you later. All right. Thanks. You too. Goodbye. Transmission incoming over. Copy that transmission received.